0: Hello, Ernest.
1: Hello, Ernest.
0: How was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was good. I cooked my first uh, turkey.
0: Oh wow! Congratulations.
1: Mm. Yeah. The magic of the the uh, YouTube.
0: Ah, wonderful. Yeah. And how's the job hunt going?
1: Uh, it's going. It's going. I have a couple. Uh, one that is kind of on and off. Um. Uh, with uh, I think with kind of like a sister uh organization. It is called the Planet Earth Society, uh-huh. which is headed by Blaine Gars, I think you know him.
0: Oh, Blaine! Yes, of course. Yeah. So, uh, I was
1: working
0: with him yes, on Blastwave a, briefly. Mm-hmm. His uh,
1: previous startup. Yeah, so he took the um, IP in there and uh, opened this. Um, well, this other company he had he had had it before. Okay. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what happened with Blastwave, but I think it's no longer. Uh, but he took the IP and then he's uh, working with it and. In this other company. So, you know, I'm working on and off doing documentation. But, um, yeah, the the idea is to have something more permanent. So, um, yeah. I still have, yeah, I still have my own, uh, you know, initiative. Uh, Which, uh, did I send? No, I I don't think I sent you. um,
0: Yeah, so I, I got an invite to NerdBron.
1: Ah, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it be, okay, I put in that a, I we, there was just very brief pitch, um, mm-hmm. but uh, is there anything still happening with that, or is it just a name, or is it a concept?
1: No, no. I had a name, the, the name for for years, uh, and it, it, the, ah. the the concept is to you know, you know, the, the infrastructure as a service. You know what. Mm-hmm. Amazon and Google and uh, Microsoft, what they do with Azure and AWS and Google right. Cloud. Uh that's that's great. That uh, lets businesses uh, not have to worry about infrastructure, you know, computers and mm-hmm. networks and all that stuff. And they just pay for what they use. Uh, and these other companies worry about the the the, the complications, right. or the details. Well, I'm thinking of, you know, as a community, people should be able to have their own infrastructure as a community service. So that's where, you know, a community, a city, or, you know, or just a bunch of entities, people um, can just uh, bring up their own infrastructure for which they don't have to pay, uh, only, you know. For the maintenance of the infrastructure itself, and this is where companies like Norbron would serve as uh, uh, architectural participants, which means that they will be the the ones who who program uh, the the actual software that uh, businesses would use, and and the idea is for businesses to be able to share. Uh, their system So, you know, uh, so a uh, car repair shop would be able to connect to the system that is shared with, uh, let's say, a car paint shop. So they, by using the same system, they can coordinate their operations, you know. Uh, so when the car…
0: Sorry, uh, you, you're confusing uh, me a little bit here is oh. um uh, I, I lost you there so i get the bit about having a uh, shared cloud infrastructure to reduce costs because mm-hmm. you could have you know dedicated facilities, the kinds of scale things like that but if you're talking about different participants being able to uh, coordinate uh business processes which is what i thought you were mm-hmm. saying that seems like a much higher level of the stack you know talking about data formats and uh apis which is a very different business than the low level you know racking servers and spinning up compute clusters
1: yes yes uh, uh yeah the mid- the the foundation is the low level stuff but then then you go into the platform as a service and other things as a service that go on top of that, and that's right. Where... I guess it
0: wasn't clear; it's all clear to me that there is that that it's actually desirable to have that vertical integration in this context.
1: Mm. Well, that's Do you where you have a you particular know, that...
0: insight or philosophy that suggests that that is actually better than uh, standardizing, you know, the seven layers of the OSI stack separately.
1: Well, uh, for one, um, uh, my vision is not to have all. You know, uh, even though we have all this infrastructure, all all these complicated systems, we still have hackers that can break into it. We still have humans that you know they uh, they get emails and then they click on them and you know they disclose their credentials and then everybody's data is gone and you have to pay for it. So all. Be, all these complicated systems that we have still permit this kind of stuff. So I I wanna like simplify simplify the stack, Uh, make it uh, more intelligent in that uh, the end user, the businesses, they don't have to worry about, you know.
0: uh, Right, when you say more, okay, so this is interesting. So the, um, right, so, so how would you solve the problem of phishing, by someone sending a random email that uh, promises somebody something, and then they feel sufficiently anxious about it that they click on it and voluntarily enter sensitive information. What is your by solution change- to that problem?
1: It's essentially changing uh, the um, the. Uh, middle part of the networking layer is you know we we can use there's something called i p f s uh which, mm-hmm. which is uh what, i don't know if you know about that but it's uh yeah, I can,
0: with IPFS, not,
1: yeah. a more secure in, basic internet thing so that, how does um, that
0: solve the phishing email problem
1: well do we have a, there's a different uh credential level uh, or or or, Sorry,
0: know. but like but like the standard phishing attack is if someone says, um, you know, that, hey, your uh, social security account has been breached, please come here and register with your name and social security number and other personal information so we can protect you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, how would you prevent someone from, can you prevent someone from falling for that?
1: The idea is to, yeah, replace all that uh, structure and into something different, something that is so, more sorry, secure. you we,
0: we teach people to stop using their social security number for anything?
1: Oh, yeah. Is that how you yeah, solve that, the problem? Um, the uh, out authentication into uh, a system has to be different. You know, usernames and passwords, that's just not feasible. Okay, so so you're saying um, that,
0: okay, so what... Uh, So, I mean, Blaine's idea was that everyone has a hardware dongle, which has a hardware key installed at the time of manufacturer, and that you only ever talk to other devices that have that same hardware dongle. That was his solution for how you get rid of usernames and passwords. Mm. Uh, Is that what you're suggesting?
1: It's uh, similar. We have, uh, well, in in our phones these days, and some computers, we have uh, secure elements that's where the um, all these credentials are managed by a chip that is not that is not accessible. Sure,
0: claim, Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So that chip manages, you know, the private keys stay on the chip. Nobody knows them, but the chip gives you the public keys. So dealing with that, right? You can so say, if hey, you
0: only interact, so the idea is that if you only interact with systems that have a secure hardware key. Secure, uh, you know, let's just generalize secure hardware. So, um, but it seems like that the hard part is not building a system. So, the, so obviously, Blaine, you know, had this idea. is definitely not the first person to have the idea. Um, but the hard part is to get people to stop using. It, it's hard enough to get people to start using these systems, but then you have to get people to stop using all the other systems. That
1: are insecure. Yeah, well, In order for uh, actually, one, right? The, yeah, the goal will be to create a new envi- create an environment that is more secure and is different, right? Uh, but then, you know, we're not going to go and tell everybody, hey, don't use that. If you start, if you go into this environment, then you don't use the other stuff, but you can still be, you, let's say, if you want to use um, Google Docs. Uh, you would be outside that environment. But what, right, if you okay. want to use the environment, right.
0: so when you, can, you have... You know. so, so let me just say... It sounds like multi-level marketing, but uh, I'll go with the analogy as far as I can. So in a world where all the things you want and need are inside the system, uh, then it is a rational choice to live in this fully secure environment. So at the point where you have... Uh, let's call it a critically, a minimum viable ecosystem, mm. right, where so a person who uh, is like yourself, who's willing to go without certain services, or maybe, maybe not, we haven't still determined whether that's the value you actually hold, but let's assume that we, if there's a person who's willing to live their life using only those services, uh, you know, That's one level. Level one is where a human being is able to live their life in that system. The second level is where it's actually possible for a uh, typical human to, to do so. And then level three is where it's actually desirable to live inside that secure system. And level four is where it's actually undesirable to not live in that system. There's different levels of viability of this thing. And you know, it's easy to write up a white paper saying if the whole world was already like this, it would be wonderful. But I think this is actually tying on to where we came from last time. The hard part is bootstrapping a minimum viable system that anyone wants to use any of it. And in fact, that was a very problem that Blastwaite had, as they had this beautiful technology, uh, but they couldn't figure out how to actually bring it to market in a way that someone was actually willing to pay for it. And last I talked to them, like this was over a year ago, uh, the goal was to try to build something that was uh, a way of doing secure key exchange because only those customers who had a very sharp point of need were willing to buy into a, a you know, beautifully designed, relatively easy to use, but still fairly expensive and heavyweight solution to ensure that level of security because the hard part was not building it the hard part is changing behavior Uh, you know people do all sorts of things that are foolish unsafe and unhealthy all the time as part of just being human and part of our cultural norms and to get people to stop doing that you know stop eating too much sugar stop posting on facebook uh you know stop sharing personal details on the internet those are difficult behavioral changes to create and just saying you should is rarely sufficient.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, this is where I want to talk to you is like, okay, we can talk about what uh, your values and ideals are and then how at scale it would be better if everyone behaved this way. But the first question is, what are the initial values that before it is at scale would make anyone want to Be part of this. And as you yourself have, you know, we've talked about in the previous episode, it's one thing to say that in principle you'd like to have these values, but in practice, the desire to make sure everyone can hear what you say, uh, the desire to uh, punish those who hold the wrong view, uh, the desire for, um, you know, just being able to tell someone off. Tends to override all of those other priorities, and how do we get? How do we actually get beyond that? What is powerful enough to make someone want to even uh, start being part of that world?
1: Um, it, my approach, the approach that I'm pursuing is uh, two-pronged. One is uh, approach, to, approach small businesses and tell them, "Hey, we." Can provide uh, this community compute infrastructure that is it, free to use, uh, well, mostly free. You, you know, you stack like uh, you pay per transaction, that uh, per interaction that results in money being exchanged, a percentage to maintain, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, now, the premium the, model. The if you will. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. They say we we will build these uh, special computers, and you will have them. And you know, there you go. Uh, that's uh, you. That's how you help start this um, this thing.
0: Okay, so let me okay, okay, Let me just make sure I heard that part before we go to the second part. So there is that there are businesses who have compute mm. needs, and that they currently don't have. Uh, either they don't have an existing solution. Or their existing solution costs too much, and what you are hoping is that a they'd be willing to uh, that is that or that you would be able to offer them a solution which is lower priced, and that the net cost of solving their problem will be lower than what they're paying now, and that somehow you will be able to sustain that infrastructure. Um, at a cost that allows you guys to actually stay in business. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yes, and but that's that's uh one part. The other part is uh a lot of these communities have been hurt by covid and by having hurt by uh, companies like Amazon and and other and other multinationals that they just suck up money from People from small communities, and you know, they don't return any money to the communities, right? So, Can people. Can you give me an example? Uh, well, you know, you, I wanna, I live in a small community, and I, you know, want to get a big screen TV. Where do I go? I go to Amazon, even though there's there might be a Best Buy over there. They just say, oh, Amazon is so cool. You know, they offer all these services, and and I'm gonna go to my Amazon. The idea here is uh, to help businesses attract the uh patronage of you know the residents so, sorry the okay
0: so first of all the the um so as opposed to so you're saying helping the best buys compete against amazon did i hear that right
1: the, the, well the, whatever is in the community right so uh, uh sometimes some communities have walmart well, so when you say in the, the, the walmart- community
0: what do you mean do you mean that the building is in the community. That the people who yes. work
1: there live in the yes. community, exactly. right?
0: So, okay, but I mean, the so do the do the uh, delivery drivers who work for Amazon live in the community? Do they count? Or does it matter if the owners are living in the community or that the profits return
1: to the community? Well, that if they are contributing to the economy of the community, then you know right. they could and participate. They- cost:
0: and increasing variety of products available. Does that count as contributing to the community?
1: Uh, if you if you don't have a presence in that community,
0: wait. So well, how, I'm just curious, how you define contributing to the community?
1: Well, it's uh, adding value to the community, you know, to the economy. Okay, so wait,
0: uh, let me let me give you a concrete example from my community, just, just so you can help me understand this. So I live in a small town of Rochelle, which, um. You know, used to have a thriving downtown, we would go there to buy shoes and shirts and things like that. And then over time, people started going to the mall in Rockford, which is 30 miles away, because they had a much better selection and much greater variety, and sometimes even lower prices, but it was just because it was a better experience. Uh, And that really hurt the downtown. And then Walmart came in, built a giant mega store in the center of town and offered a much greater variety of products, much lower prices, Um, well, sorry, much, you know, greater variety and lower prices than our downtown local merchants and much, you know, generally low prices and much greater convenience than the upscale mall 30 miles away. And so that uh, increased the share of dollars spent in the local community and utterly destroyed the downtown businesses. So, from your perspective, was Walmart a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Hmm. Well, from my or is it perspective, or it's hard to say because
0: well, it's a trade-off.
1: It is, uh, I guess, uh, but we will have to see if there is so the the entire downtown was uh uh you know hurt by but, but walmart right So, some some people
0: yeah the, the, like the, the, yeah you know, the Walmart kept more business in the town but sucked away from locally owned businesses into this giant multinational corporation mm-hmm. and you know the number of people employed was probably similar uh but you know all those local businessmen who were pillars of the community and did charitable giving and you know things like that you know they had to go elsewhere uh, or do something else as replaced by you know relatively low-paid clerks and slightly higher paid managers uh, but the upside was that it was from better for the planet and uh, it also um you know meant that the generally, the people spent less money for better quality goods.
1: Be- were they better quality of goods?
0: Well, oh, generally or speaking, do- yeah, is that over time the ratchet uh, on Walmart of quality increased faster than the ratchet of the you know, hand-selected goods that uh, we had. Just, you know, the the standards of a Walmart buyer uh you know over time became higher maybe not initially but over time they wrapped it up to try and get higher quality for lower price whereas before it was primarily based on local relationships rather than you know sort of scientific methods of comparing value and measuring quality
1: yeah so the these terms the local relationships i think that's very important and also authenticity is important so if a town can be redefined by walmart then you know that's a that's a problem uh and if people are so easily uh uh, you know convinced that the alternative
0: is that you had a handful of rich businessmen who all ate lunch together who sort of bought from the sales rep who promised them uh the nicest kickbacks or played the best golf and it was replaced, you know, that was authentic and personal, and it was replaced by a very cold, efficient mechanical machine, which just provided, uh, you know, provided goods and services at the lowest cost and the highest quality. Is that a bad trade-off?
1: Well, it's bad in the sense that one entity becomes, uh, uh, you know, controls our whole economy. One right, entity. but what if that
0: entity has interests aligned with its consumers in a way that the small cabal of suppliers – and I'm not necessarily want to cast aspersions on it, but the reality is is that it was an incredibly inefficient market based on door-to-door salesmen versus the ridiculously, insanely efficient merchandising machine, which is Walmart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was why we all ended up going to Walmart, because they give us better goods to so, lower prices. It right. Exactly.
1: So we can take advantage of uh, the things that Walmart takes advantage of, you know, high volume and stuff by uh, uh, letting businesses come together um, at multiple levels. So yeah, I'm a small store, I sell uh, trinkets, but I can purchase them through my higher uh, community, the higher entity, let's say that's the it's a, a whole it covers a whole county right at that point you kind of get equal purchasing power than for uh the walmart and even amazon right. you know a small so shop let's, let's look uh, at the
0: okay so we, we still i think more or less believe in the scientific method
1: here right scientific method yeah
0: yes i mean we haven't always followed it but at least we, we agree nominally to to prefer it so um, this is, you're hardly the first person to try to bring small groups of people together to compete against the big behemoths. Um, and generally speaking, um, there's a small number of areas where this appears to have been successful. Uh, like cert- first, first thing, like right off the bat, even Amazon isn't great at pure commodities. Uh, people do not buy rock, gravel, sand, and salt through Amazon. Uh, things that are truly uh commodities high bulk goods like as I' was saying, I tried to buy um water cooler salts from Amazon, and the salt was a dollar, but shipping and handling was twenty five dollars at that point it 's cheaper to go down to the home depot and buy it for fifteen dollars so there's certain things that Amazon, even with its scale and logistics, cannot actually handle efficiently um The jury's still out of whether Amazon and Whole Foods is going to do anything interesting with groceries, but so far, it hasn't. I mean, I shop at Whole Foods and I have an Amazon Prime, and I still have had zero interest in using Amazon grocery delivery services. And to be fair, I have hardly used any grocery deliveries, except I once used Target drop-off. So let's say for the moment, at least, groceries seem to be immune to whatever economies of scale uh, Amazon is able to bring to bear um uh game stores and well, this stores that provide an experience appear to do pretty well so game stores uh gift shops things like that where people are going into a store and buying from it because of uh the experience the, the curation uh let's call it the brand if you will
1: mm-hmm
0: um those seem to do fairly well um etsy i think is a bit of a uh uh, a cut both ways i think etsy as a stock looks like it was oversold and kind of imploded but Etsy as a phenomenon i think it's still um viable i actually bought a christmas gift don't tell anybody uh for my wife uh from an etsy store because it was a niche thing involving Korean dramas. And that was a thing where like a small group of people are really passionate about it. um, And they're able to find that community and support it uh, in a way that uh, they can't can't otherwise. But I think the reality is the best you can hope for is to create another tier, Uh, right? There is a set of things that you could do that allows certain businesses to thrive at scale in a way that Amazon can't compete with. But it seems highly improbable that everything that people want to buy will be uh, more efficient in your system than it is in Amazon's. Just because so many things really are a matter of scale, and if they have 100 times or a million times your scale, you're never going to be cheaper or have a wider uh, variety than they do.
1: That's true. However, like right. you said, there's the experience. So, uh, Sorry, in what? a world. You Sorry,
0: my kicked the pit out. I lost that last sentence.
1: Oh, there's uh, the, the thing you mentioned experience. So, if. Uh, why do the small businesses lose to Walmart? Amazon Uh, well one is prices they cannot match the prices but Uh if they are authentic to their community they have other attributes that will help them you know uh, attract uh, 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 customers and the trend now is to say oh yeah I I am for the environment and I am for you know us being uh, uh, you know uh, better Stewards of, of the environment, and that mm-hmm. you know, if, if for people that want to put their money where their mouth is, then they, if a, a small store says, "Hey, you know, our prices might be higher, but we do certain things to uh, save electricity. We, uh, we just go from solar, which you know, yeah, the Walmart can do as well, but." if they can market themselves as not only members of the community, but as participants, active participants, not just uh, here to get your money, but here to, you know, be your neighbors, we all uh, know each other and work together and including as businesses themselves. So like I said, a a store that some customer went to and, and the customer explained all the problems that they're going through uh, and they want this particular product, but it was not in that store. So if the these first store has its system connected to the to another store that might be different, but that might carry the same products, they can tell them, "Oh, we don't have any stock here, but you can go to this other store where they do have any stock, and uh, you can get it there." So when that customer goes yeah, to the other you know, store, So I remember
0: those days it, when I would go to the mall, and mm-hmm. one store would be out of something, and they say, "Hey, there's another store on the other side of the mall which has something similar." Right, mm-hmm. um, and that was nice. Uh, it was nicer just to. It is nicer now to just go on Amazon and see who has it stock. If you know anyone who has a PlayStation Five, let me know. My son is probably gonna have to wait till March because they're out of stock everywhere. And uh, and also then, you know, back then, frankly, it was looking for a generic item. I want to, sh- you know, a brown shoe, uh, you know, to wear to uh, prom. And then it's like, okay, well, any brown shoe that's roughly my size. Uh, that was fancy enough would count Um, and so things that were relatively fungible it was easy to substitute but on the other hand things that are relatively fungible are precisely the things that an Amazon is going to be better at right so I think the uh, I'm willing to believe that there are things that this could do I think the hard part is finding a thing that actually will work that's the thing is like okay it's an interesting idea but there's two points you have to convince me of. One is, your truth is that there exists some non-trivial pocket of this, like you can find three business owners who would actually benefit from going into this together where they'd experience the benefit. And then the second thing is that it is not at all clear to me, and this is the same problem I had with Blaine and his business models, was that even if it could work, is it really in their interest for this to be a vertically integrated solution that controls everything? Or in reality, do they just want to cherry pick this one thing that you do really well and then uh, use commodity uh, cost structures and larger ecosystems for everything else? And I'm willing to believe the first. I have a really hard time with the second, given that you know Blaine, who's probably smarter than you and I put together, has tried to run at this once or twice and has not actually because this is always the problem that you know in paper it sounds great uh to design everything from scratch and god knows i'm guilty of this too but in reality people want what they want and they care about what they care about and if you're a business rather than a government your job is to give the customers uh what they in a free market what they choose as what they determine is of sufficiently greater value to be worth the cost and inconvenience and i guess that's the question is like okay it's a nice theory have you found a business that actually wants this
1: Mm.
0: or do you just have a list Uh, of companies and people that you think should want this
1: well i my plan is to go to a like a chamber of commerce, chamber commerce, and and present this this idea. Well, first ask, what do you you know? Are you okay? Are, is your business going well? You know, in the past you know ten years, are your sales increasing or decreasing? You know, all, ask questions.
0: But, I, about- I, I, I I'll be willing to bet you twenty bucks, Ernest, that. Uh, the cost of their technology infrastructure is like number 10 or lower on their list of things that they worry about. They worry about labor costs, they worry about the pandemic, they worry about taxes, they worry about health regulations, and it's all in the pandemic now. They worry about competition from Walmart. And it's like, okay, if you could show them, like, okay, in terms of a pain point, if you could find a struggling small business That is, it wouldn't be that hard, uh, maybe a little harder now, but to find a a small business that is worried about competition from Amazon, right? And even if you gave them computing for free, um, I don't think that would solve any of their problems.
1: Problems like,
0: right, Because because in my experience, the businesses that are facing competition from from mail order and the internet and Amazon, uh, the solutions are very idiosyncratic, right? The whole reason that they survive is because they are authentic and local to their community. Like this one human being here had this brilliant insight that seemed crazy at the time and bet their business on it. And they discovered that there was a latent niche of people in their community who really cared about X. And they became the trusted provider of X in that community. And that's why people still use them, whether that's a bookstore or a coffee shop or whatever. And, you know, yeah. So if you're, if you're trying to become a, if you had some magic sauce for helping people figure that out, you could build an interesting consulting business around that. Um, but the technology itself is rarely the solution. The technology by itself, all it really ever does is reduce the time cost or energy to do something and it's really hard to- uh use technology itself to outcompete and unless the t v as a whole has a deep aversion to amazon uh and that you know and, and if you uh which is hard to find right? uh people try occasionally at some of the more progressive cities to do things. I mean, they managed to get like ban Walmart. And where they do succeed, uh, they often end up uh, prioritizing small business owners over the actual poor consumers. Like there was a tragic story in, I think, somewhere in the San Francisco Bay Area, where a city council voted to ban a Walmart from opening a superstore. But the advocates pointed out like when they did this, there are now no grocery stores in that whole area. Uh, because it was a food desert, but because of people's prejudices against Walmart, it, uh, it reduced the option. And you know, maybe it was the right call, but it was definitely a trade-off. And certainly to me at least, not an obvious one. Because sometimes the big bad multinational is better for the individual consumers, even if it's worse for the local small business owners.
1: And But that's uh, when in that model, are you following your values, or are you following the money?
0: So here's the question. What, whose values, right? And, like, and the question is, what is their, what's their priority stack? If my priority is like, if I'm a low-income family, you know, the way I was in you know, my first few years in the US when we were immigrants, you know, your priority is getting food on the table and paying your rent and making sure that your, fam- your kids don't go hungry and maybe you have enough money left over to buy them a Christmas present right that's their priority those are not unreasonable values to have and for them anything that makes it easier or cheaper uh, or faster to put food on the table when you're working two jobs uh, is a good thing is it possible that there are negative long-term consequences possibly you know uh but in some sense and when we are and you know you know one of the things that's really near to my heart is the official micro mobility and getting cars off of the streets and helping people become livable cities, um, but you know London is facing this really awkward situation where they've been trying during the pandemic to close streets to cars and create more livable neighborhoods. And on the one hand, it's really great—all those neighborhoods, you know, the kids playing, there's street art, there's people walking around—it's great. Unfortunately, and it pains me to say this, but the reality is that often it's the more prosperous neighborhoods that are able to do this, and they end up rerouting their traffic to the poorer neighborhoods which are less well organized. You know, same way with uh, rebates for uh, electric cars. Like on one hand, it's great that there's financial incentives to encourage people to buy electric cars. On the other hand, the way the taxation works, all these rich people get to ride their electric cars, their Priuses and Teslas at a discount, and we increase the gas rates, gas taxes, on at least the middle class, who own their own vehicles uh, and, and own older cars uh, to help pay for the upkeep of roads. And so the poor end up subsidizing the rich. Same with solar roof panels. And so this is where values are hard, in that mm-hmm. it's, one, it's nice to have high values, but then you ask: okay, well, who actually bears the cost of that? And do you want to actually have as your customer the people who care about their values more than they care about the welfare of their fellow human beings? Because that is a uh, non zero risk
1: that uh well you mentioned you know the poor families that have to save so they will go to where wherever the products are more affordable, but as they prosper themselves right they they will be able to choose uh more um but uh, 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 products that are beneficial, but, 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 products and services that are but,
0: beneficial. Let me be concrete Diet. then, Ernest. Are you really saying that if there was a ch- – if someone – look, give me a concrete example. Okay, there's a neighborhood in San Francisco where there are no actual grocery stores, nothing that actually carries a meaningful selection of fresh fruit and vegetables.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: there's a lot of mom-and-pop stores, a lot of fast food restaurants, restaurants, uh, things like that, uh, but it's all canned and processed foods. And that's what people there eat. That's what they've gotten used to. And Walmart says that they want to open uh, a superstore there that would bring a much greater selection, a whole bunch of fresh produce, uh, but it would frankly put a lot of these mom and pop stores out of business. What would you, if you were brought in as a consultant, the independent consultant to make a, a recommendation what would you suggest
1: well instead of instead of uh big walmart superstore why don't you invest in um uh, in like uh, helping those small grocery stores to grow to grow you know uh, so that they can open more so stores so, or, so
0: here's here's the tragedy walmart's the only company that sees enough of a profit margin to be willing to invest capital in this area
1: that's where the values of uh that if you don't put such a high value on profit if you put more value on what is the benefit that would that we will have course, like, it's you know,
0: easy to have it's easy to have values for what other people should do with their money right. And the reality is, is that it's really hard and risky to start a business. It always is, right? Uh, Unless it's a really really well-established franchise. And Walmart has made a living by figuring out how to make money out of things that no one else can make money at um, by being, and the question is that, well, you can say, okay, yes, it would be great if someone else, but the reality is at this point in time that Walmart is the only one willing to put the money into bringing green groceries into this neighborhood. And do you well, say no, we, or do you say yes?
1: But I say yes, and let's find somebody who can, who has the the who share our who shares our values, and we we pre- uh, present them with a great plan, like it would use uh, the values of the community, not the values of Walmart, when it comes to like people buying stuff, no, because Walmart, you have, you know, they have to lay out their store in the Walmart way so that when I go into Walmart, Oh, I know where to go to get this. I have to ask, uh, uh, any Walmart, you know, it's, it's laid out the same way. So that, that I Walmart, that's you know, totally have,
0: true. I've, I've gotten confused in Walmart, but did not seem to be, it seems like they rotated periodically, but yeah, that's
1: true. Uh, 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 but uh, in, in general,
0: they have, you know certain, you, they have certain their merchandising is centralized. But you know, so here's here's an interesting one, right? So one one case you could make, and I don't even know if they do this or not, is that okay, but if you're doing is that if Walmart does this, we would want them to at least carry ethnically appropriate foods so they're not homogenizing people's diets. Um that's a way to say, yes. But I'm so sorry, what is is your your is your yes that you would accept Walmart, but you want to put conditions on it
1: to no, make it no, more I not well. No, if so you want no to, to, Walmart. Uh, yes, not a Walmart, but yes to uh, uh, empowering local business people or even you know aspiring business persons. You know, hey, do okay, you okay, like to
0: say? So, so, you you want to say no to Walmart, and Pitchin said the hope that somebody could come up with a better option.
1: Yeah, and we actually create a better option actually develop so so
0: in that case that is not a technology solution that is community organizing mm -hmm. right that means going into the the weeds and the nuts and bolts of community and saying there is a latent market here for healthier foods and 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 saying okay what would it take to uh, create a groundswell of demand for something like this, such that someone would be willing to offer a supply, right? That's a demand side problem, not a supply side problem at that point. Uh, Right, so the reality is is that if it was obvious to the business owners there that if they carried Mm -hmm. groceries, it would be a financial win, they would already do it. They're not stupid. They don't hate vegetables. They're just reluctant Mm to because it's a lot of cost and hassle and distribution. And, you know, the last guy who tried it five or ten years ago stopped doing it because he went out of business. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's there's always a reason why things are the way they are. And And it's usually... Sure, perceptions are distorted. But changing human Mm -hmm. perception is the most difficult thing in the universe. Mm -hmm. Changing reality is relatively easy compared to that.
1: Well, you know, you have like uh, this is where you have to show people, you know, not just tell, show them. So this is where you have to, uh, you know, if you if you build it, it, they will come, type thing. So you build, you build that, and you know, you
0: yeah, but we have to build your the right best. thing, right? Right. So it's, yeah. it's only after you build it that they come, and that you find out whether you mm-hmm. built the right thing, right? So yeah. This is, the, mm-hmm. right. this is This is this is so. I mean, I feel like you're we're we're converging on that um it's great to care about a community um it feels like frankly that if this was to work you have to tell me what your community is and what you think the people there do care about that's not being addressed because i don't think we could solve this problem in the abstract mm-hmm. and if you really think local communities is the most important thing which i think is hey, what you kind of came to last uh episode then mm-hmm. i think we should actually like do the work and figure out. Okay, what is it that your particular local community actually needs um, that we might be able to help them with?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That seems um, like the obvious question, right?
1: Yes. So at least in my uh, reality, I can. Um, I'm worried about uh, homelessness. This is a, a problem mm-hmm. that I want to help fix. Um, there are multiple programs that deal with that but you know we still have homeless people so why is that yeah
0: and and
1: I find that there's a coordination problem like oh Mm -hmm. and you know paperwork you know if you're homeless you don't have a freaking file cabinet right but any contact you have with government agencies they give you a whole bunch of paperwork like why are you doing that they don't have a place to live they don't have a place to store paper. and then they come back and then where's the paperwork i don't know somebody stole it somebody stole my back and they that's what I'm... so one thing is to eliminate eliminate paperwork from uh, the interaction between right. uh, I remember homeless people at least
0: every decade that i've been alive i've heard about attempts to eliminate paperwork uh mm-hmm. and so it's not like people haven't tried um and there have been some modest successes here and there, uh, but they haven't. So that's actually not a bad, so let's, so let's use that in our case study next week. Um, we can send some articles back and forth about paperwork and bureaucracy and uh, homelessness. And I have some thoughts and learnings from my past experiences, and you have much more recent, much more visceral experiences. And so let's talk about that, and let's talk about what, whether it's solution is possible, for us to devise in an hour, at least talk about what it would take and what would be involved in a solution. And I and, and think and really the really interesting, and the really hard, awkward question in these things is, whose problem are we solving? Is it the problem of the individual people? Is it the problem of the community? Is it a problem of this government agency? Um, because actually figuring out who owns the problem and who can, and who gets to, uh, decide what counts as an acceptable or unacceptable solution it has been surprisingly difficult in a lot of places and so maybe and you the know, answer, some resources
1: yeah the answer often is nobody cares the answer is nobody everybody's in, everybody's invested in the bureaucracy actually like they don't care all they want to do is just mm-hmm. go to work and do their things and then go home that's the problem that people don't and, care. And, and, and a few any, of them and,
0: mm-hmm. and let's start there because this is the curse of all technologists including you and me we care about our solution more than we care about their problem and so actually learning to unsee our solution to see the problem is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do and then figuring out how to sustainably care about that um, is actually a remarkably uh, almost superhuman feat so Let's see if we can do that next episode. All right? All right. Thanks, Ernest. Thank Talk you, to Ernest. you next week.
1: Next week. Bye-bye. Yep.